today. Uh, since it is Reformation Sunday, I thought we would take a break from 2 Timothy and turn to uh, the epistle of Paul to the Galatians, Galatians chapter 2, and look at verses 16 through 21. So let's hear the word of the Lord. Knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ, even we have believed in Christ Jesus that we might be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law, no flesh shall be justified. But if while we seek to be justified by Christ, we ourselves are found sinners, is Christ, therefore, a minister of sin? Certainly not. For if I build again those things which I destroyed, I make myself a transgressor. For I, through the law, die to the law that I might live to God. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not set aside the grace of God. For if righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died in vain. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your holy word, uh, that it's inspired of God. It is profitable for teaching, correction, training in righteousness that the man of God might be thoroughly equipped to do good work. So, Lord, may we be equipped today by this word. May it have a powerful impact on our mind and that, Lord, it would transform us as our mind is renewed. Once again, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. According to Philip Melanchthon, October 31st, 1517 was when Martin Luther nailed his 95 theses to the church door in Wittenberg, Germany. That day marks the beginning of what we call the Protestant Reformation. One of those 95 theses declares the following simple truth. Luther said, The church's true treasure is the gospel of Jesus Christ. The church's true treasure is the gospel of Jesus Christ. So the Protestant Reformation was a simple return to Christ and his gospel. And that gospel being the chief thing in the church, the most important thing, the the thing of greatest value for us as Christians. In the book of Galatians, as in all his epistles, and we've seen that in 2 Timothy, Paul teaches that the gospel must be guarded, it must be defended It must be embraced. It must be proclaimed. And it was while reading Galatians that Luther first understood this good news of righteousness through faith alone, in Christ alone. So I want us to study this passage today to make sure that we don't forget the gospel. That we hold on to its importance and that we defend it and that we renew our commitment to it. Uh, in our own day. Three points to the message this morning, and that is that believers are justified. Secondly, believers 
are crucified, and lastly, believers, we are made alive. So the first thing we learn here is that we're justified by faith in Christ. Luther said that if the article of justification is lost, the church is lost. He said it is the article on which the church stands or falls. And in his commentary, uh, when he wrote his commentary on Galatians, he said he was a little hesitant to publish it. First of all, he said, I wrote too, I had too many words, too many words. But he said, not that I've grasped anything beyond a few meager rudiments and fragments, and I'm ashamed that my poor, uninspired comments should be published. Yet I'm compelled to forget my shame and be quite shameless in view of the horrible abominations which have always raged in the church of God and still rage today against this one solid rock which we call the doctrine of justification. Well, that doctrine has was under attack in Luther's day. It had really been lost. Uh, the battle had, in essence, been won largely by the, the forces of evil. But this doctrine is always under attack. That's why we have to make sure that we don't forget it and gain a stronger grip uh, on this truth. Paul summarized the doctrine in verse 16, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. Well, Job asked this question in one of the oldest books in the, the Bible. How can a man be just with God? To ask how a person can be just or right with God. Assume something. It assumes that we are in this world, as we come into this world, we are not right with God. Uh, we are sinfully separated from God. And the Bible says in both the Old and New Testaments that there is no one righteous, not even one. So this is our problem. This is our dilemma. How can an unrighteous sinner be right with a holy God? If that's never been a burning question on your mind, it should be. The English words uh, just, justify, righteousness, justification, they all come from the same Greek root word. And that term justify originally meant the idea of a judge's declaring an accused person not guilty and right before the law. It was the opposite of being declared guilty and being condemned. So what is justification according to Scripture? Justification is an act of God declaring guilty sinners not guilty, but righteous. Righteous in the sight of God. Um, and how is this brought about? Well, Paul states, first of all, how justification does not come about. A man is not justified by the works of the law. For by the works of the law, no flesh shall be justified. No one has ever been justified by the works of the law. That's not the way to be justified. Uh, and, and so we can't justify ourselves. We cannot ask or think that God will justify us based on anything we have done. Uh, among human beings, there is no one righteous except, there is one exception, right? the righteous Son of the living God who became man 
and lived a perfectly righteous life in this world. So who does God declare to be righteous? His son, the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the exception to the rule. He alone is perfectly righteous among men. So how can he declare righteous those who are unrighteous? Since we all are unrighteous, he does it based on the merits of the one who is righteous, the Lord Jesus. Justification is an act. As I said, it's a once and for all act. It's not repeated. It's not a, pro- it's not a process. It's an act of God. And he does two things for those who believe in his son Jesus. Only for the sake of faith in him. He does two things. He forgives all our sins. He cleanses us. And then secondly, he accepts us or declares us to be righteous in his sight. And the only way uh, this could be brought about was by Christ coming into the world, living a perfect life, and dying on the cross to pay for our sins uh, so that we could be forgiven and be declared righteous. So on the cross, uh, God's wrath was being poured out on Jesus. Jesus was punished. He stood in our place as if he were a vile sinner that we might be accepted as if we were perfectly righteous, even though we're not. Um, 2 Corinthians 5.21, God made him who knew no sin to become sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Well, many of the Jews... Uh, didn't really see themselves as sinners. The Gentiles over there are sinners. You know, we like to do that, don't we? We like to say easily, you know, we can easily point out the sinners. There are those people. But the Jews, and, and, and like all of us, we tend to not point the finger at ourselves. They thought that since they were Jews, since they were the favored people of God, they had the ordinances, the laws of God, that they must be okay with God, as they were. And of course, some Jews did believe in Jesus and begin to follow him. Um, and, and yet, there was a problem with some of these converted Jews in the church, particularly the church in Galatia, was that they still thought that somehow, in, in order to be justified, not only did you have to believe in Jesus, but you had to continue to observe uh, ceremonial and moral laws and so forth uh, to be justified. Well, when these Jewish believers heard Paul preach that we're, you're justified only by believing in Jesus plus nothing else. It has nothing to do with the works of the law. Uh, this was very difficult for them to accept. And, and it's just as difficult for people to accept today. Uh, nothing more common than to to ask the average person, even the average churchgoer sometimes, uh, you know, about what they think is going to get them into heaven. And they might say, well, I believe in Jesus, and, and then I'm trying to do the best I can. I'm trying to live up to the Ten Commandments. I'm a good moral person, and so on. You see, they don't understand uh, that when they add something to Jesus for salvation, they, don't, they have completely um, misunderstood the gospel. They don't understand that their good works have nothing to do with being justified. They think, as John Calvin put it in, in, in their own words at, in his day, he said, you know, such a person would say, 
Is it possible that God should have no regard to of such great pains as I took to serve Him? That God will count nothing, all the money I've given Him, all the times I've been to church, all the things I've, the good things, I've, that God will not count that at all? No. No, He won't. The only thing that counts is the work of Jesus Christ. And so, if your trust is not in Christ alone, if you're trying to add to the gospel, you only take away from it. And also the Jews and many today also reason, well, if a person can be saved from sin simply by trusting in Jesus, and there's nothing for us to do, that's going to lead people to think that they can live however they want. That people can keep sinning. If, if, it's, if, we, if we're saved as a free gift, then we don't have to obey God. We don't have to do anything. We can live however we please. You know, and, and, and you know, if God gives us salvation as a free gift, then doesn't that take away the motivation to try to live a righteous life, a good and holy life? Doesn't this encourage ungodliness and sin? Well, if that argument is correct, then Paul's gospel uh, encourages sin, and it's wrong. But Paul had a reply to this in verse 17. He says, But if while we seek to be justified by Christ, we ourselves are also found sinners, is Christ therefore a minister of sin? Is my gospel encouraging sin? He says, Certainly not. To accuse Christ and his gospel of encouraging sin is a blasphemous thought. God forbid. Again, John Calvin, one of the reformers, chief reformers, uh, he wrote this. He said, Christ did not bring sin, but unveiled it. He did not take away righteousness, but stripped the Jews of a false disguise, of a false righteousness. Christ is not the author of sin. Christ did not make us sinners. Uh, he unveils. He, he, he makes our sin known. And, uh, and so we can see that we have no righteousness of our own. So in short, the Jews thought that they were righteous. They thought it was the Gentiles who were sinners. But the doctrine of justification teaches us, and you can go to Romans, read chapters 1, 2, and 3, to see how Paul develops this idea that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Both Jews and Gentiles all need Jesus. We are all found to be sinners. And we must therefore all come to Christ if we would be saved. In verse 18, Paul says, For I if I build again those things I destroyed, I make myself a transgressor. And that's a challenging statement to interpret and... Uh, but here's what I think he's saying. I think he's saying that uh, if he's, you know, that he's, when he says, if I build something again, I think he's saying if we go back to the law and try to build salvation on the law again, if we go back to that and leave faith in Christ, that we are transgressing, that we're doing wrong. And, and it would be a great sin. You see, the gospel says we can't be saved by keeping the law, but only by grace. And so if, it would be a great sin if we, after we put our faith in Jesus to go back to the law and, and then start relying on that, even in part, as a means of salvation. And it's even worse if we teach that to others. And that's what 
some false teachers, we call them Judaizers, uh, were doing in the church in Galatia. They were trying to rebuild, rebuild what Paul and really what the gospel destroyed, and that is looking to the law uh, for salvation, for justification. And uh, see, these teachers were saying, no, you Gentiles have to follow the law of Moses. You have to be circumcised. You have to follow uh, the, the ceremonial laws in order to be justified. And Paul says, if you do that, and then you know, you're trying to rebuild what, what Christ came to tear down and to do away with and to fulfill. So here's the question for you then. Are you right with God? Are you justified? Are you in a state of justification? Again, you cannot be justified by anything you do. Law-keeping, good deeds, good intentions, only one way. To cease trusting in your law-keeping. To, to, to cease trusting in your own righteousness. Because you have none. And to put your trust in the perfect law-keeping of Jesus, the, the sacrificial death of Jesus, and to receive Jesus Christ by faith, and then Christ will forgive your sins and impute to you his righteousness. And then don't go back to the law to try to be justified. You're already justified if you're in Christ Jesus. Let's move now to the second point of the sermon, and that is that we are crucified with Christ as believers. When a person believes on Christ and is thereby justified by faith... That person has gone through a process to get there. Justification is not a process, but the process of discovering how much of a sinner he or she is. And before, you see, we come to Christ, we, we often think of ourselves as pretty decent people. I know we may not be perfect. We're maybe better than others, and we're good enough. God will accept. We've, we've tried hard. We haven't been perfect, and so on, but... The person who comes to trust in Jesus alone for salvation has to die to, to that kind of thinking altogether. The person has, who comes to Christ has to come through the law to get to him in a sense. And when we come to the law at first, we think we're not so bad. I haven't killed anybody. I haven't, you know, I don't rob banks or, or, or do, you know, terrible things. I haven't committed adultery. Maybe we think we're pretty good. But when we look more closely at the law, which the Bible describes as a mirror, uh, we look more closely at the law, it shows us what we really are. And it's not a pretty picture. Uh, I just turned 65 this past week. And imagine that I have not looked in a mirror since I was 35 years old. And imagine on my birthday, I decided, well, I haven't looked in the mirror in 30 years. Today, I'm going to look in the mirror. Can you imagine the shock? <laughs> yes, age 35 was a little different than 65. So um, most people are living their lives like that. They walk past the mirror of God's law every day and don't bother to really look at themselves. Paul was like that once. He assumed that he had kept the commandments. <clears throat> that he was righteous before God, that he was clean, and, and, but he really hadn't looked closely into the mirror. And uh, it wasn't until he came to the 10th commandment, you shall not covet, and so on, uh, that he saw what he really looked like. 
In Romans 7, Paul writes, I would not have known covetousness unless the law had said, you shall not covet. But sin, taking the opportunity by the commandment, produced in me all manner of evil desire. So Paul didn't really know that he was a sinner. He thought he was righteous. Read Philippians 3 and you'll see how as a Pharisee, he thought he had really kept the law. But the 10th commandment slew him. And when he saw that commandment, and he saw himself in the mirror of that commandment, he realized how much, how many sinful desires that he had not been aware of before that he had in his heart. And the, and the commandment, he said, produced in me all manner of evil desire. Wait, he's saying the commandment produced sin? No, what he means is the commandment revealed what was already there in his heart. In Romans 7, 9, he said, I was once alive without the law, but when the, when the commandment came, sin revived and I died. Uh, those who don't think about the law much or look at themselves earnestly in light of it think they're spiritually alive paul thought he was but when they're truly confronted by the law they realize they're not alive they're dead and there are many self-righteous people who think they are alive they need the commandment to come to them like a mirror to show them what they are and so Paul says, when the commandment came, sin revived and I died. So sin stirred up by the law. And Paul realized he was not the righteous man that he thought he was. He died. He lost the good opinion that he had of himself. Do you have a pretty good opinion of yourself? <laughs> it doesn't really matter what you think or what I think. What does God say? What does God say about us? It's not a good opinion. You have to be convinced, like Paul was, that you are a sinner under the condemnation of God's law. Verse 19, he says, For through the law I died to the law that I might live to God. Now he's, he's talking about a certain kind of death and the life that results from it. Uh, but when he put his faith in Christ, you see, he, he died to the law. He died to the law as his Savior. No longer was the law his Savior. He realized the law didn't save him. The law condemned him. And if you are a believer, then you have died to the law and you have died with Christ. Paul explains this more fully in verse 20. I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live. The life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And that verse speaks of the Christian's identification uh, with Christ, his union with Christ, both in his death and in his resurrection. John MacArthur described it this way. He said, Paul is referring to the fact that when a person exercises faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, he's placed in a transcendent spiritual union with Christ in the historical event of his death and resurrection in which the penalty of sin was paid in full. So when Christ died on the cross... Now being by faith in him, we die. We die to sin. We die to thinking we could be saved by the law. We die to the condemning power of the law. Matthew Henry said to believe in Christ crucified is not only to believe that he was 
crucified, but to believe that I am crucified with him. It's an article of faith. I am crucified with Christ. I no longer live. If you're a Christian, the old you is dead. And the person who was dominated by sin no longer lives. You are now a new creation in Christ Jesus. How do you become a new person? When Christ, when you put your faith in Christ and receive him, and he begins to live in you. He makes you a new person. By the Holy Spirit, he takes up residence in the heart of every true believer. He makes you alive. And that leads us to the final point. We are made alive with Christ or in Christ. So if you've trusted in Jesus, you, you are justified and, and you have died. You have died to sin, to the law, to self. But this death is not the end. The death is only the beginning point of life. It's a death that leads to life. Again, to quote John Calvin, he said, In the gospel, although we be crucified, that is to say, although there be a spice of death in the gospel, and that's interesting, isn't it? There's a spice of death in the gospel. Yet it is that death a quickening death and the cause of life. Those who live for themselves, they're dead to God. But those who are dead to themselves are alive in the Lord Jesus Christ. It is no longer I who live, said Paul, but Christ who lives in me. In the life I live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God. So if Christ lives in you, you are alive spiritually. Ephesians 2.1 puts it this way, and you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. You didn't know you were dead until the law came and showed you. And now, when you believe in Christ, you realize you are crucified with him, and yet Christ lives in you. There's new life. And so those who say that if you live, I mean, if you put your faith in Christ alone for salvation, if you think that salvation is just a, a free gift, and you think that's going to lead to an ungodly life, if you think that way, uh, you're wrong. No, it will lead to what? A new life. A changed life. You'll have new desires to love God, to praise Him, to serve Him. And so if Christ makes you alive, you're alive. You want to live for Him. You will desire to please Him, desire to worship Him, desire uh, to know Him, to make Him known, to serve Him, to obey Him. And if you don't have those desires, then guess what? Probably you don't have a life. Because that life will always manifest itself so as a believer, your life is in Christ. You are joined, united to him by faith. You now have Christ living in you, his life, <clears throat> so that you have his strength. And Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. But in Christ, you can do all things. You can do whatever he commands you to do, though you will fall short of it. He gives you the grace uh, and, and the more you rely on Christ, you see, not only for justification, but for everything, uh, the more you'll begin to walk in a way of pleasing him, obeying his commandments. Not in order to be justified, because you know that's not possible, but because you have been justified. And because this new life now is in you, 
so that you live by faith in the Son of God. Are you living by faith? Are you? Paul said we walk by faith, not by sight. We walk by faith in the Son of God, not faith in the law, not faith in ourselves, not faith in anything we do, but Christ. He's the only one who truly pleased God. He's the only one who perfectly obeyed Him. And so we, we keep that in mind. But He's the only one who can enable us to please God. He pleased the Father, but He also enables us to do the same. Imperfectly, we, we do, but, but He enables us. So keep trusting in Christ. Keep looking to Christ. Keep resting on His finished work. Don't go back to your own works. Uh, even now, as a Christian, they're still flawed. They still need to be cleansed by Christ's blood. Live by faith in Him. Je- you know, Paul was consumed with Jesus. He said, for me to live is Christ. Well, once you come to know Christ, that, that's the way it is. And why? Why do I live by faith in Him? Why am I so consumed by living for Jesus? Because He loved me and gave Himself for me. Now that, that fact, that simple fact, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so, that He gave Himself for me on the tree. That is what motivates us. To follow Jesus, you know... Paul could never get over that fact that that Christ loved him. Think about when Paul got saved, he had a past, a past of persecuting Christians. He deserved the hottest flames of hell. And when Jesus confronted him, he says, why are you, Paul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Uh, You know, and when he, you imagine when Paul reflected on that, that that he was tempted to, to be discouraged. And yet Christ loved him. Christ died for him. That's what he focused on. Not his own guilt, not his own sin, not his own past. Christ died for Paul. Paul's goal was to stamp out the knowledge of Christ. And so when he realized that Christ had died for him, and then that Christ loved him, it transformed him. And so that he began to live every moment of every day for the Lord Jesus. He gave Christ his all. So believing in Jesus... And receiving the gift of justification does not lead to uh, a, you know, a, a sinful, easygoing life. No, it leads to a life that gives their all, one's all for Him. And all this has come to us by grace. Verse 21, I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness comes to the law, then Christ died in vain. You understand what he's saying. He's saying that, that it's by grace that you're righteous in the sight of God, and by grace you will continue. You don't set aside the grace of God once you come to Jesus. You don't get saved and then go it on your own. No, uh, it, you cannot and must not forget grace. Never go back to trusting in the law. Because if we do, we're, we're saying that Christ's death was in vain. It was unnecessary. Uh, I don't... I can keep the law now. I don't need Jesus anymore. No, that, that, that's horrible thinking. That's wrong. So justification, it comes about as God's free gift in Jesus Christ, received by faith alone in Christ alone. And God forgives our sins and declares us righteous in His sight only through that faith, only by the work of Jesus on our behalf. And so we continue, you see, in that right standing only by grace. And so that's why we keep looking to him. But as we close, I want to ask you, ask this question. What does a person have to do then to be 
become justified. Let me just say very simply, repenting of your sins, put your complete trust in the Lord Jesus Christ as the Son of God and Savior of sinners, put your faith in what He did on the cross to pay the penalty for your sins, trust in His death and His resurrection, receive Him as your Savior and Lord, and don't look back. Don't look anywhere else. Don't trust in your own goodness to be accepted. Trust in Christ alone and His righteousness. And then keep trusting in Him. Keep following Him. Because it is by grace you're saved and by grace you will continue to live for Him. Let me close with one more quote from Martin Luther in his introduction to the book of Galatians, his commentary to Galatians, he wrote, In my heart reigns this one article, one article of faith, faith in my dear Lord Jesus Christ. This is the beginning, middle, and end of whatever spiritual and divine thoughts I may have, whether by day or by night. Let's pray.